Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. I'm joined by Brian Newbert, and I want to thank the Union Club Hotel uh, and the Boiler Up Bar, A11 Bistro. We appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, uh, my name happens to be Alan Karpik, and uh, I'm happy to be Brian Newbert's caddy if I, if I could be. But uh, he's, he's uh, going to be busy this weekend, uh, uh, and by the time this airs, we'll have already had some coverage from Fort Wayne. We'll talk about that. But I want to ask first about Obviously, Purdue, anytime Purdue gets a basketball commitment, it's a big deal. And uh, Raleigh Burgess makes that commitment to Purdue this week early on, uh, 6'11", 235 from Cincinnati. I know you said that you only had a chance to see him once in person, but uh, give us what you think and how he fits in and, and what you like about him and maybe an opportunity, obviously, to see a little bit more of him later this summer. Yeah, he's a big kid. He's an active kid. He plays hard. He's very similar to Caleb First. Uh, I think they maybe have slightly different bodies, um, but there are a lot of general similarities between between him and Caleb First. I think Raleigh Burgess is probably a little bit more advanced as a three point shooter at this stage because he's he's probably had to do it a little bit more than than Caleb First did at a small school mm -hmm. um, uh, in high school. But he has a, he he plays with a high energy level. He's I think he's a legit six ten and probably getting bigger. Um, he's a good offensive rebounder. He plays next to Flory Bedunga, so he knows how to play next to other legit big guys, which could be something that comes into play at Purdue if Purdue indeed plays him as a four man. Uh, we'll see how things go from there. I think Purdue will have some moving parts in that regard. Uh, I think they would have had moving parts this year if if. Zach Eady didn't wake up one morning as the best player in the country, but I think that <laughs> yeah. Purdue can use him uh, as sort of a floor stretching five, or they could use him as a big four. Obviously, as a big four, you'd you'd have to show you can you can contain the dribble in switches, things like that. You'd have to be able to guard on the perimeter, you know, things like that against certain matchups. But he has a really good skill set. He's a great kid. He's a he's a really good student. He's um uh somebody who earned earned all those offers for a reason. Now, obviously he, there's not been much to see from him here the last few months as he, he, uh, he hurt his leg uh, during the, during the high school season and had his season cut short. So uh, the last time I saw him was last July pre-injury. Yeah. But that was, that was what I thought of him. But obviously when a kid has, has, has 20 offers and they transcend the big 10 and, they extend to like Texas and, you know, Stanford and places like that. They've done something right beyond just their geographic footprint. So assuming he's the same player he was before, and there's no reason to assume not, um, Purdue got a good player here. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's going to be another interesting, uh, interesting development. Uh, another one, the guy that we've talked about, haven't talked about a lot in this show, but to Jakari Harris, another guy that uh, uh, you may see a little bit later as well. Um uh Glenn Robinson obviously the dad there and in, in, in involved in some fashion in that uh, recruitment but also a guy that uh, you like a lot and have seen that uh, uh, could be a really good add-on any idea on his timetable at this point or where where you're seeing what you're seeing there well I think that uh, his intention has been to kind of play out the spring evaluation period see who comes through his school see who really invests time in him and uh then start really kind of narrowing things down. I don't know when he's going to commit, but I think he's probably transitioning into some measure of decision-making mode here pretty soon. And uh, I think Purdue's out in front there. I think they've built uh, 
a really strong strong bond with him and uh I think that's been the difference maker I think he he's a Purdue type of player uh I think he's exactly what Purdue needs right now I think he's a tough kid he's a defender um he's a good enough shooter from what I've seen I I don't I I I would like to see more of him because because people talk about him as a good enough shooter from what I've seen and from looking at his high school numbers he seems like a great shooter uh it's not the most uh textbook delivery it's a very flat shot but it goes in so yeah you know who the hell cares um but I think his toughness his competitiveness is something that 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 this program kind of really needs at this point in time and I think when you can get that in a a low maintenance kid who's a good enough student to get an offer from Stanford, I think that would be enormous. Yeah. For Purdue. Um, that being said, if, you know, Travis Perry happens to call first to commit, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Um, you know, you don't turn away good players. Uh, you don't turn away players you've recruited for three, four years. Um, but I really like Jakari Harris. I really like the fit at Purdue. And I think Purdue really likes the fit at Purdue. Yeah. Obviously, by the time this airs Saturday morning, um, you'll have been already embedded into uh, uh, Fort Wayne and watching watching uh, uh, Cannon Catchings. Perry will be up there as well. Trent Sisley, uh, Malachi Marino as, as well. What uh, what are you looking for outside of just another chance to see these guys play in another uh, another environment? What uh, what will stand out uh, in your time up at uh, up at the Summit City? Summit City, huh? Yeah, it is the Summit City. I don't, I don't know why it is. There are yeah. no mountains there. Like, no, I know. It doesn't there's... make any sense. <laughs> why wouldn't like Denver somewhere? Well, it might be. Mile but... High City, but yeah. certainly there's somewhere else, Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. That but not the Summit City. The Summit City there are other Summit Cities. It doesn't cities. make any sense. Well, um, I may have to check my I may have to check my facts. No, I, it's called this. I don't know anyway. why it is. I have no idea. Anyway. I have to look that up. Yeah. Now that I've you alienated all of Fort Wayne. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't want yeah, it's the uh it's the annual Bill Hensley Memorial uh, run and slam up there this weekend, one of the best events of the year. Um Cannon Catchings and his indie heat team uh, will be up there. He's a teammate of 2025 Purdue Targets, uh Jalen Harrelson and uh Trent Sisley. Uh, Jack Benner, Purdue's other 2024 commitment, will be up there as well. Uh, he'll play a bunch of games. Those are kind of really the headliners from a Purdue perspective. Um, you know, Canning Catchings hasn't had a great spring. Uh, he's been on the EYBL circuit with Indy Heat, and, you know, that's a pretty competitive circuit. And you'd kind of like to see him get a shot going a little bit. You'd kind of like to see him, you know, uh, play a little bit better than – he did an EYBL and the competition here won't quite be what it was in Atlanta and yeah. uh, Mesa. Um, another candidate for summit city. There are mountains there. Yeah. Um, At least a Mesa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'd like to see him and his, his actually his whole team kind of, kind of get in a little bit more of a groove than they've been in thus far. Uh, I think Trent Sisley's a known commodity at this point. Um, so I know everything I need to know about him. Jack Benner, I just really want to see him. Uh, I, I, I don't have a horse in the race, so I shouldn't say I want to see this or I want to see that, but I'm interested to see how well he shoots the ball last year. And for his high school team, he's got the ball in his hands a lot. 
and a lot of his threes come off uh, individual creation. And I, the one game I saw him play a couple weekends ago in Noblesville or Fishers, one of those cities, I can't remember where exactly. But not to some I guess yeah, it's yeah. It, it's Noblesville. Um, yeah. He had a, his teams picked up some other guys and they had some more guys penetrating and kicking out to him and he caught the ball and shot the ball really effectively in that one game I saw. And that's going to be his role at Purdue is be a catch and shoot guy more than being a, a bring the ball up the floor and, you know, just kind of pull up from 30 feet guy. Um, he's a really good player. He's a really solid player. I think, and I, I don't mean this, this is a compliment that some sometimes comes off as something less than a compliment, but I think he's a super high floor player uh, in that. I think he's, you know what you're getting at bare minimum. You're getting a smart kid who's going to work hard, who knows how to play basketball, who's skilled enough as a passer and a shooter uh, to at worst be a valuable offensive commodity for you. I also think he's he's a little quicker and he's a little tougher than some of the other guys in his category uh, Purdue's gotten over the years, um, and that will maybe make him a little bit less of a, of a defensive target. Uh, but... I just would be interested to see how, how well he shoots the ball uh, this weekend. Purdue needs to restock its shooting. Um, I think anything they can do to insulate themselves in March from 5 of 26. Yeah. The singular reason that Purdue's season ended way too early, 5 of 26 or 5 of 29, whatever it was, doesn't matter after it's 5 of 20-something. Um <laughs> Five of twenty-six, uh, but yeah, they just have to keep keep loading up on that skill, and uh, I think Raleigh Burgess, Cannon Catchings, and Jack Benner are all very much steps in in that direction. Yeah, guys that uh, uh, can make a difference in that twenty-four class. Um, you've certainly uh, this week, and maybe the last topic I want to hit on still is that wonderful world of the transfer portal, and and have had some commentary on. Uh, Purdue is not at the top of the list in football in terms of number of uh, guys that have hit the portal. I think portal as of as of this recording, I think the number is 22 out and 14 in. Now that number will probably increase, but you always have to do a good what? Both numbers will increase. Oh yeah, both numbers will increase. I think that's true. But just the general landscape, uh, you know, as we continue to come try to come to terms with the way things are. Uh, what wisdom do you throw into that, or is it just still going to be chaos for, for the foreseeable future? Well, I have nothing to do with it right now. I'm not taking part in covering any of this. No, but you look at, you look at the broad but show. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to pay attention, and I've been trying to, trying to keep tabs on all this. And when I saw that graphic from On3 about yeah. the specific numbers of transfers out, I figured Purdue was – probably number two or three behind Colorado. And I was floored that Purdue's not even remotely close to the top of that list in a coaching change year. Um, obviously Colorado has become kind of the face of this. They've, they've, yes. they've, they've, they've cut 56 guys or 56 guys have transferred out by their own choosing. However you want to view it, guys are getting cut, guys are getting fired. So this is, this is employee status, whether or not, um, Anybody will say that or not. Um, but I think when you look at that list, and uh, I, our, our, our viewers here would have to go find that list. Uh, we can't 
put it up here. I, I, I don't have a printout of it right here, but we'll only link it to, a we'll few link it of those programs are coaching change deals. Right. You know, That's a correct. few of them are just schools that have bad years and just need a reset. A few of them are schools that went all crazy in the NIL world last year and probably made some promises that kids are realizing that, oh, you know, perhaps that wasn't all entirely true. Um, and some of them are just run-of-the-mill schools. And this is suggestive of the fact, why is Florida and Florida State losing 20-plus guys to the portal? It's just, this is probably the new world right now. Um, I think you're going to see, you have to sign somebody, right? Someone has to sign a player to put him into the randomizer. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see this world where the, and the, the power structure will stay the same as it's always been. Um, But you'll see Alabama, that's probably a bad example, Um, but you'll see some of those bottom of the top tier schools like the Florida's, like the Florida States, sign 25 high school guys every year. It'll be a good recruiting class, but they'll really, you know, want to keep 10 of them after a year. And then the rest of them, a lot of those guys will just will just kind of fall off. A lot of the ones who 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 didn't develop fast enough or aren't in your immediate plans, they they go back into the mixer. And they end up at they end up at Georgia Tech and they end up at Purdue and they end up at uh, Temple, whatever it might be. It's this whole new ecosystem. It's this whole new trickle down economics of, of of sort of college football and the increasing futility for people at the bottom of this food chain is going to run them out of the business. It's going to it's going to shut the lights off at places like Bowling Green and and, uh, you know, places even smaller than that, because if you recruit a good player, if you develop a good player. You're not keeping that player. And yeah. um, I think you're going to see all of these numbers stay the same, if not, if not, if not increase even further. The names might change. You know, it won't be Colorado at the top of that list yeah, every year, but it'll be somebody. <laughs> and then the vicious cycle you walk into here is that you're signing all these players after like a two-week recruitment, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So when you get hit with buyer's remorse that, Oh, Hey, this kid's Doesn't turns fit. out this kid has a tail, you know, <laughs> it turns out this kid has, has two left feet. Um, <laughs> you get rid of them. Right. Yeah. And you start the cycle all over again. And now that kid is burned as one free transfer. So now he needs a waiver. He'll get a waiver. And all of a sudden you have just, scores of kids every year um kind of going through this situation just kind of going through this machine and i don't see how this is going to be fun for people i don't see how this is going to be enjoyable for coaches not that i have any sympathy for people making that that much money i don't know how this is going to be enjoyable for fans sure as hell is not going to be enjoyable for media who are going to be showing up for the first day of practice having no idea who's on the team they cover um but it's just it it's just going to be this spring and all of the all of the uh, I don't want to say chaos because that makes it sound like it's you know something really really demonic or whatever. But uh, I don't think this spring is going to be like an outlier. I think this 
this spring is the tip of the iceberg. I think you're going to see these numbers stay consistent and if not increase altogether. And it's just going to, it makes for an entirely new world order in college football. It takes away the new coach honeymoon is what it does too. It's where, where, you know, if you're Deion Sanders, if you're Ryan Walters, you know, you, I mean, everything's relative um, depending on where you are and what expectation levels are. But if you take over at a place like Auburn, right. And you can turn over the roster in, in a year and a half instead of three or four years and you don't win with that roster, you're out. Yeah. And now all of a sudden Auburn's paying another 20 million bucks to a fire. <laughs> um, but it changes the way we view, you know, the, the building process. College football has always been about continuity and about three, four, five year plans and player development and all that stuff. And now it's just, it's just about human resources. It's just about personnel well, management year to year, like the NFL is. And I don't know how these guys do it. It's, 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 going to be a colossal challenge not sustainable i i but i but well, it has right, to be I'm, sustained because there's no going back it's just a matter of who's the most resourceful who's the most uh who's the slickest you know who has the best recruiting operation going on uh to make this work somebody's got to win the games right and somebody so has to it's lose, not yeah. like it's not like everybody can be like we can't win like this because every game has a winner and somebody's going to win more than others and how you delineate. I do think there's a component to this too, where some balance can come out of this because it was hard enough, you know, to keep, to keep two good quarterbacks on your roster um, forever. Now it's a pipe dream. You cannot have two good quarterbacks. That That's just not, not reality anymore. And um, somebody's getting that second quarterback. And all of a sudden, if Purdue gets a Hudson card, which by the Who way, Purdue this? did get Hudson card. And he is a second quarterback, if that. And Hudson yeah. card turns out to be better than the guy who was at Texas, you know, before him, uh, Quinn, Quinn Ewers, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, all of a sudden, Purdue's got a chance because – the quarterback gives you a chance, and um, that that could happen at any number, any, any number of spots. All it takes, you know, sometimes it's just a couple of difference makers, and you might be able to get those guys. How you find them when you're only recruiting them for two weeks, and they're not like name brand dudes, and then the the name brand guys more often than not are going to go between the name brand programs. Um, that's why Purdue. It was such an enormous deal for Purdue to get Hudson Card. Um, but there is some balance that can be struck from all this too. So it, it's not like this is necessarily an entirely bad thing for competitive parity, um, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of where things go. That said, Alabama giving the playoff every year, Ohio State still going to be in the playoff every year. Michigan's still going to be, you know, on the cusp of the playoff every year. You know, Notre Dame's still going to have every advantage. Uh, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia especially. Um, they're all still going to be there. They're not going away. When I say parity, I don't mean like Purdue's all of a sudden going to become Ohio State or Michigan or, you know, Iowa's going to become either of those schools. I mean that those schools are going to have chances to have that special year more often than not because they hit it right on the screws with this transfer or that transfer. Yes. 
makes your head spin. But yes, I think you're I think you're right on that front. We're going to talk a little bit more about that specifics with the with Tom Deanhart in our next segment uh, for our Saturday simulcast. Brian, have a, a good weekend in Fort Wayne. We'll look forward to your coverage and video and all that stuff. And you and Jordan will knock them dead up there, but uh, that'll be good from that standpoint. So, all right, we'll be back. Uh, we're going to make a little tra little transition. Tom Deanhart will be joining us, talk a little transfer portal, Purdue roster, all the things that Brian uh, uh, talked about a little bit in more, more detail. So we'll look forward to that uh, on our Saturday simulcast. Tom Deanhart joins uh, me on Saturday simulcast. Nothing going on in the world of Purdue football in terms of uh, roster moves. I think you, you're going to be feel like you're a, and then some an NFL guy in terms of all the stuff that's gone on. What as of late this week, there were 14 guys in and some 20 some guys out. I guess I'm going to start with you. Is what do we make of all this? Is it you know 10 of the 14? If if it hasn't if that number hasn't changed come from power five conferences in terms of guys produced getting in, but it's just going to be a really interesting uh, time when you line up uh, come uh, fall camp and who you're, who you're seeing in camp and who's not. Yeah. I mean, this is just the new world of college football with the transfer portal. Uh, and for Purdue in particular, you know, there's a, I guess a little known rule that coaches who take over programs have up to three semesters to basically cut anybody they want to cut off the roster. They can tell them, hey, you can stay in school on scholarship, but not be on the team, or you can go to the transfer portal. So it's a way that allows new coaches to sort of turn over the roster in a quick manner so they can get more players of their liking onto that roster. So sure. that may be why Purdue's got a little higher level uh, I guess transfers out and transfers in at this point, obviously. Uh, Ryan Walters has taken advantage of that. Like you said, um, uh, what what was it, 22 guys of transfer yeah, out? I think that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the school year. I, gotta, I, I kind of broke things down on a story I posted on Friday. Yeah. So we kind of looked at the, the biggest losses, the biggest additions, and what Purdue still needs from the portal. Um, I think that, that the, again, top need, I think, is a backup quarterback. Yeah. And this weekend, they've got a quarterback on campus for a visit, get from Arizona State. I also think, Alan, the next biggest priority is getting another offensive lineman and probably another cornerback. They thought they were going to get a cornerback, I think, um, Sean Stevens, but he didn't get a, a waiver for an additional year of eligibility. So backup quarterback, offensive line, and cornerback, I think, are probably the three areas they're still going to try to focus on. And by my count, Alan, 80 of 85 scholarships are accounted for. So you can see things are starting to get tight here. And um, so, again, um, they have to be judicious with, with, with who they're pursuing at this point, I guess. You know, in, the, in this brave new world, and you've dealt with this your entire professional life in terms of dealing with teams and, and all this, where, where do you uh, – the whole the whole notion that there is now no longer or less less of a long honeymoon period for coaches because my gosh you can create any roster you want in essence uh, that's not completely true we both know that but how do you view that I mean how do you view that to Purdue how how do you think Purdue fans will res respond to 
uh, you know, the fact that Ryan Walters on paper has got a challenge ahead this year with a tough schedule uh, and certainly some players to replace. How do you how do you reconcile that or do we not reconcile that way? That's just the that's the way it's going to be here down the road. If people are going to be expected to win and win now. I think that's been the case for 20 years. I, I go back to Gary Barnett at Northwestern. I mean, uh, on and on it's gone. We've seen guys flip rosters or flip programs in less than three years prior to the transfer portal. So I think there's always been a, a great deal of urgency. We saw Daryl Hazel get filed, fired without even completing four seasons for crying out loud. So I think that that urgency, the we want to win now thing and, and mentality and demands has always been there. How much more it's expediated now in the transfer portal era, who knows, but maybe a little bit more. Um, this helps the coaches. And uh, the coaches are paid a lot of money, and they've got a lot of pressure to win. They should be allowed to do what they need to do to give them the best chance to win. And some people may think it's callous to ask somebody to leave the program. That's life, man. And yeah. uh, these players, Alan, can leave on a whim now, too. They can hit the transfer portal whenever they want, and that puts a coach in a real lurch. Alan Perdue's lost three offensive linemen who probably would have been starters right. this year. Spencer Holstitch left the program in a lurch. Eric Miller's left the program in a lurch. Shione Finau's left the program in a lurch. Yeah. Point is the door swings both ways here, right? Yeah. So um, the days of of the of your big man on campus walking across the Memorial Mall with his letter sweater, carrying his book bag and holding his girlfriend's hands. Yeah. The romantic notion of amateur college football. That's been dead a long time. And and this new era, if anything, should have further reinforced this new uh, new world we're living in. Yeah. And uh, the reality of that is is through the through the through the roof. All right. Recruiting wise, uh, Purdue football, uh, yes, they're still going, <laughs> bringing in high school kids and a big part of what you do. Just an overall feel. I mean, you've been covering that and doing, doing a great job of, of trying to stay as close as you can to that. I, I kind of asked this a couple of times before, just the vibe of the program and where you where, you know, how is it being received, at least from your discussions with coaches of these uh, kids that have committed, but also uh, just with uh, where, where you think that is. It's been it's been positive, Alan, especially the, the defensive players and the secondary in particular. That's really Ryan Walter's area of expertise. But they, they've gotten some good looks, some good visits here from from players at all positions, obviously. So. Um, it's been good. They, I think they're going to add another piece to their 2023 class here. Maybe this weekend, Alan, they've got a running back from Tom ball, Texas and Christian Womack who's coming. And, uh, he was headed to a junior college, but I think obviously Alan, he, he's probably going to commit. This may just be the final step taking his official visit this weekend. So he'd give them another running back to add to the, the incoming class or very late addition. So yeah, overall, like I said, I think um, the youthful vibe of this, of this staff, that's something that, that you hear often resonating with the kids who take visits. I've talked to a lot of them the last couple of months and they all point to that, the fun atmosphere, um, the very player friendly atmosphere. I think everything you would imagine, Alan, um, from a 37 year old head coach and a very young staff, the type of vibe they're putting out and how much the the high school kids really like that? Yeah, no doubt that that's going to be a big selling point for Ryan Walters and company. 
as they uh, make their way and navigate their way through the 2023 season. All right, uh, one one question I wanted to ask you, because we haven't had you on, uh, you've talked in other mediums about the NFL draft, but just the fact that uh, Purdue had five guys selected, and maybe put that in context also. I know you had a change in regime in terms of head coach. These guys all played for Jeff Brom. I get that. But what that means uh, maybe for the overall picture of the program, the the uh, sexiness for another, for lack of a better term, the fact that it's what the most guys they've had drafted in a class, not the highest, but the most since 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's great, obviously, right? I mean, anytime you can sell the fact that you had uh, five players picked, um, that's going to resonate. That's going to tell high school kids and portal kids that you can come to Purdue and you can achieve at your highest level. Again, we know the coaching staffs have changed, but still the school obviously remains the same. And the fact that that, that Purdue brand has been able to produce that level of, 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 of draft choices has got to resonate. Again, like I said, with anybody looking to continue their playing career, uh, especially at Purdue here. So, yeah, just just a good thing, Alan. Only three Big Ten schools had more players picked than Purdue, as you would imagine, the big three of Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. So what an accomplishment to have five players uh, selected. And like I said, I'm sure Purdue's going to do all it can to continually remind these, these recruits, these portal guys, of the fact that, hey, um, you can't come to Purdue and you can't achieve your NFL dreams. Last question in this segment, just on, on your biggest surprise, was it Aiden O'Connell in the fourth round or was it Corey Trice dropping maybe a little bit further? Uh, any view on that? Yeah, probably both those things combined. I really thought Corey Trice would have been the first Purdue player picked. Um, maybe there was still some trepidation about the knee injury from 2021. You know, he was at the combine. He went through all the physicals. <laughs> so you would have thought any any health questions would have been answered at that point. But who knows? Um, you don't find many six foot three cornerbacks who run four four forties, and that's what Corey Trice did in Indianapolis. So, uh, still for a chance to go to the Steelers, he's got to be thrilled to death. Um, but again, I thought maybe he'd be a fourth round pick. But again, seventh rounder to Pittsburgh, and then O'Connell's a guy I thought would be a sixth or seventh round pick. We all know the these teams are starved for quarterbacks in the National Football League. I'm not sure if Aiden's ever going to be a starter, but I think I think he's done enough to show he can be a very good backup, smart, tremendous arm, uh, played in a complex offense. And I think the fit here too, Alan, is important to remember. Josh McDaniels with the Raiders, his system, he's a Patriots guy. Again, I'm not saying Aiden O'Connell's Tom Brady, but from a physical foot speed standpoint, Josh McDaniel's offense doesn't require a quarterback who's fleet of foot. So I think there is that fit there that may really play a role in O'Connell going maybe before a lot of us thought he was going to get picked in this NFL draft. Yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, thing. I wouldn't bet against him. If you look at a guy that uh, started as a walk-on and running with the tight ends or whatever he did early on at Purdue and where he's gone, uh, you got to like, I agree with you so much that he's got a guy that, or is a guy that, 
would certainly be worth a risk as a backup uh, at uh, in the NFL. So, Tom, as always, thank you very much, and uh, we appreciate uh, your expertise and your coverage, and uh, especially with all this, all, all the plates in the air. Who would have thought four or five years ago we'd be doing yeah. all this stuff? But uh, that's the world uh, that we're in, and uh, dealing with that on a regular basis. So, I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel. And the Boiler Up Bar, 811 Bistro, we appreciate them as well for all they do for us. And we will have, uh, you know, during the summer, uh, spring and summer, we will have Saturday simulcast most every week, but not maybe every week, but we'll keep you posted on the next one. And uh, a lot of basketball recruiting, as you heard from Brian Newbert on the front end of the show. So have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll look forward to the next Saturday simulcast uh, when it comes around the bend. <laughs>